Hi, and welcome to the Chainsaw Carving Podcast. This podcast I started so that carvers from around the world, especially carvers that are in remote locations or don't get to see other carvers a lot, can hear from other chainsaw carvers and learn from other chainsaw carvers. Today I have on Paul Fernet from Canada, and Paul Fernet has had a great carving career and he's been on TV shows like Carver Kings. I'll go ahead and bring Paul on, but be sure to stay tuned at the end and I'll give you some some links to where you can find um, some information about Paul's work. Hi, Paul. Hey, Molly. How's it going? Oh, pretty good. Other than all the the Corona we were talking about, right? COVID. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is Fingers a good thing crossed. to do. This is a good thing to do when we're uh, not as busy sitting at home. That's right. Social distancing. It's a great yeah. way to uh, spend the time. Although. Teachers in Minnesota are still working, so I guess I'm <laughs> working from home. Oh, really? Teachers are still working. Yeah, well, they're having well, from us re- remotely, though, right? Yeah, they're having us do distance learning. Is what yeah. they call it. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Okay, so the first question I have for you: What's your story? How did you get started chainsaw carving? <laughs> do you want the long version or the uh, short version or the medium version? I don't I don't know. I, I would go well, for the long version. The I was, long version I'm yeah. always curious. All right. Um, yeah, it's kind of uh, one of those things I just kind of fell into. I was a uh, corporate IT manager for a billion and a half dollar corporation. And I uh, traveled all over the world uh, supporting the different uh, divisions around the world. And I was probably putting in about 120 hours a week and traveling uh every every month at least a one week out of the month and wow um, i was i was overweight and um having heart palpitations from the stress of the job and whatnot and um i'd went out one day uh with the wife usually if i spend money on something it's usually some kind of tool or something that uh, could make me money i don't usually go out and make purchases of uh things like artwork um so I couldn't make money off of it. So it wasn't uh, something I was really interested in. But anyway, we had uh, went by this garden center and there was this, I don't know, about a three and a half foot cement Easter Island head statue, you know, just the Malloy face. Yeah. And um, I saw it and it's like, holy shit, that's the coolest thing I've seen around. And uh Usually something like that, I would I would go to the wife and say, oh, this is cool. I want to buy it. But no, nah, and then I walk away, I wouldn't buy it. But uh, that time, I don't know. I just, I didn't even ask what the price was. I just loaded it in on the, uh, on the cart and we bought it, took it home. And we put it in the side garden at the side of the house. And uh, I called it my Wilson. If you watched uh, Castaway, you know? Yeah. Where he's, where he's talking to the ball. Uh-huh. But uh, we've got a, we live in a really old growth neighborhood. And in fact, we were the only um, family with kids within about a three block radius of where we uh, where we live. But there's all these old people that walk the neighborhood all the time. So you're seeing everybody as they walk by and everyone just loved the statue. They're like, oh, is that ever cool? And it's like, yeah, it's my Wilson. And we joke about Castaway and my wife pissed me off. I go out and talk to it. And <laughs> so uh 
this one day my uh, my buddy calls me up and says hey you want some firewood for your fireplace and it's like yeah sure and he goes well there's all these walnut trees around this barn in the subdivision we're clearing and the lumber guys won't touch them because they're too close to the barn and they probably got nails and whatnot I said, oh, yeah, that's cool. I'm always looking for firewood. So I uh, went on the Internet and searched up how do you cut down a tree and uh, watched a few videos and went out and bought a chainsaw and um, the Husky 455 Rancher. <laughs> so uh, I uh, was going out the next day. I was going to go and cut down these trees and haul them in my wife's van. <laughs> so, it's pretty pretty funny, but um, as I was going out, putting stuff in the van, my neighbor comes over and goes, hey, Paul, what'd you do with Wilson? You put him away for the winter? And I go, what are you talking about? And he goes, Wilson, he's not there anymore. Oh, no. I thought you put him away or something. And it's like, Rick, ah, no way. It's like I go and look. Of course, he's gone. And some prick somebody, stole him. Oh, so, somebody stole Wilson? Yeah, someone stole Wilson. I was so pissed off. And it's just like, Jesus, you, you know, you feel so violated when somebody does something like that. You know, it's just, yeah. it's tough to get out of your head. But um, anyway, I uh, jumped in the van and headed off to this um, barn and I'm looking at the trees and I kind of picked the biggest tree that was there and go over and I make my first cut and my, my notch and then you know the other cut on the other side and the tree falls over you know and you're you're all excited and, you know here I am I cut down my first tree with a chainsaw and and I'm looking at this tree it's laying there on the ground and I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that this prick stole my statue and, and I'm looking at the tree and, and then I thought you know what Maybe I can just cut off a chunk of this trunk and I'll just cut a face out of it. And just, you know, just the uh, Easter Island head's just kind of a flat face with the nose sticking out. Yeah. So the more I thought about it, the more, I, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to try that out. And so I, uh, I started chopping up pieces on this tree and then I rolled them over and hoofed them into the back of my wife's van. And so I got got all these chunks of these branches stuck in the back of the van and the, the back end is just about riding the ground and, <laughs> and I get I get home with it and uh and I still I can't get this freaking theft out of my mind and so I went over and I grabbed the uh potato out of the kitchen and grabbed the knife and I just tried carving a face with it and it's like oh yeah that's not that's not too bad so I grabbed the chainsaw and stood up one of the chunks of logs and like made this face and really it was just you know literally uh, this chunk of nose sticking out of a flat surface and then there was horizontal line for eyes and, and a mouth and yeah I'm looking at it and I'm so proud of myself that I made this thing and then I call the wife she comes out and she goes where'd you get that and it's like I just made it she's like get the hell out of here no way so, so it's like oh, I'm putting it in the garden and so then everyone in the neighborhood's like oh that's cool that's even better than the other one and <laughs> I even got offered a guy offered me nine hundred dollars for it and I told him oh wow so and it's like wow this is this is cool and so I started uh all this firewood that I went and got, I started uh, carving it up. And, and uh, 
I never knew there was this thing called chainsaw carving. I just was carving and I looked up hand carving stuff and found sure. a few sites on how to do uh, spirit faces and that. So I started doing the uh, crotches. I take a crotch in a tree and turn it upside down so it looks like a pair of legs. Okay. And I'd uh, and I'd carve a face in it and stand it up and it looked like a little man standing there. And then I, uh, I don't know, started carving some other some other things. I really like fantasy stuff, so I started on a uh, this dragon, and uh, just kind of went crazy with it. And, and then this chipping away is a carving store bias that uh, I found out about because I was looking for chisels and stuff like that. And um, they found out they had a competition, and it's like. Oh, competition! I'm gonna enter this. <laughs> so I yeah. entered as a uh, as a intermediate. The only I think it was the only intermediate they had. I can't remember really what it was, but it wasn't wasn't the top top thing. But yeah. anyway, I took my dragon and entered it. And uh, was it the next the next a couple of days later? I went back, and it's like I figured there's no way that I would have won, and and I go and I look and yeah, sure enough, there's nothing on my piece. And, you know, somebody else, some other guy had won first place. And so I'm all pissed off and I'm walking out and um, Fred Zavadil, um, really big uh, hand carver in the hand carving scene. Uh, he come over and he goes, congratulations. And I'm going, what are you talking about? And he says, oh, you won. And I said, no, some other guy won. Um, my, my carving doesn't have anything on it. And he goes, no, you won. He goes, he goes, come over here. And he went and got, um, Dennis, the owner, and they walked over with me and they said, oh shit, no, that's someone moved that onto the other thing. It's like, no, you won first place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, ah! <laughs> so, so I kind of went crazy after that and just started, started carving up a storm. I was carving in the, my driveway. Um, just in, I live in an old growth neighborhood and I was just kind of carving on the corner at the end of the driveway and having fun with it. And I get people stopping all the time. And so it just isn't took it, off from there. Isn't incredible? Something so bad, like someone stealing your stuff <laughs> led to all yeah. of this. Yeah. And I never, you know, I didn't really, I did the art, the art class in high school and that, but I never really done any painting or carving or anything like that prior to it so yeah it was kind of just fell into it like everything else I do I just decide I'm gonna do something and I uh, I spend whatever time and work as hard, hard as I can and uh, make it happen so yeah okay my next question is uh, what do you think mainstream TV shows like Carver Kings do for chainsaw carving well, it's, it's funny because um, like I was in the two shows. I was in the Saw Dogs uh, originally and then in the Carver Kings. And um, if you ask me, you know, when I did the Saw Dogs, I would say that it was a detriment to the, um, to the industry because it was, a, it was a fake business. And, um, you know, it was just set up that these guys were doing these carvings and they had to be done in 30 minutes and, you know, they were hundreds of thousands of dollars or whatever the price tags were. They were ridiculous price tags on them. And yeah. uh, it kind of made it, it. I know 
at that point in time, I was, I was doing, you know, fairly well starting to do commissions and stuff like that. And people were seeing that and then they were saying, Oh, well, you're too expensive. I can't do that. You know, it's, it's too much money. So it was really unrealistic um, expectations from the show. Sure. But um, with the Carver Kings, being that it was a real business, you know, Pioneer Log Homes uh, in British Columbia, it's, um, you know, their show obviously was already on the air, Timber Kings, um, doing quite well. And then we did the Carver Kings show and it really added a, uh, I guess, a high level of authenticity to the carving. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I noticed a huge difference in the public when we talk to people about carving and then you mentioned the carving show and they're like, oh, yeah, you guys do massive, you know, wonderful work. And, um, you know, that chainsaw carving, we thought chainsaw carving was, you know, just square bears and, you know, folk art and it's not really, uh, you know, it's not for me or, you know, it wasn't really something they wanted to spend money on. And then they saw this and it's like they're they're willing to spend, you know, two thousand, five thousand, ten thousand dollars on a piece of artwork. And, um, yeah. I will say too, um, you know, I I teach middle school students and I always show them my chainsaw carvings and talk about chainsaw carving competitions. And when Carver Kings was on, you know, they're all on Netflix. That was the first time that kids would say to me, Oh man, Mrs. Wistie, have you seen Carver Kings? And yeah. and when when I would be able to say like, oh yeah, like I've talked to Mark Culp or I, and they're like, shut up, like you know they're just and and I'm like, this is cool. My students like have seen this on TV, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely gives it. Um, you know, it brings the carving world into the limelight and. Um, it was, I think it was just done very professionally. There's a few, few shows out there that were kind of, you know, they're, the, the problem with the TV industry is that a lot of these, these reality shows, they don't really, it wasn't, a, it's not about the art. It's about you getting angry and doing something stupid or somebody else doing something stupid and pissing somebody off and, you know, getting that titillation from, um, you know, the conflict within the show. And, right. you know, when we were, when we were filming Saw Dogs, you know, there, I think the, the one director had said that, you know, it would be fantastic if someone cut an arm off or got hurt because, you know, their ratings would go through the roof. Oh no. And quite literally. Yeah. There's, there was one point when we were carving, um, when we were doing the, um, the bar, the bar, uh, episode, um, Ryan Cook, myself, Pete Ryan, and um, uh, Peter, what's it, I forget the other guy's name. All four of us were carving like right on top of each other all at the same time. And uh, Pete got a big kickback and it was like, it just went over top of my head. And it was like, you know, this is fucking stupid. It's just out of control. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, they were, they were happy about that. And they, you know, they, they instigated, tried to instigate the argument so that they could get that entertainment value out of it. And, uh, and I think that's a lot with, you know, a lot of, you see all the reality shows is, you know, there's always, a, oh, you got to get this job done in, in 
in two days and it's you know it's a month's worth of work and get it done in two days and then you know there's always a problem and you gotta solve the problem it's funny too, got... I, I feel like the viewers know it i they know they, do, they know that it's set up they like, do and they don't but you know what yeah. in traveling traveling around the, the world and you know people they see you and recognize you and it's like oh you were on that show and it's like then they start asking you questions about it and then you tell them well no that's not really you know i would never cut the top of the chair off and ruin the chair you know i wouldn't just slice off the sword that it's like we needed some filler time to do something so you know right. nobody wanted to take the take the sword so i said oh okay i'll do it and you know you cut that off and you make that critical mistake it's like oh no i made a mistake and like, <laughs> no, that, was, that was real and it's like no it wasn't real <laughs> i don't remember what show i was watching but one time ryan cut something off ryan cook and, and yeah. they were doing that like oh no he cut the tail off the eagle and i'm like yeah. no he didn't <laughs> yeah yeah so it's you know there's a lot of that that goes on and they're just you know they're trying to they don't you know they you couldn't convince them that you know if you uh if you filmed it properly in the right sequence that people would get a, a kick out of just seeing the, the detail happen you know like there's uh um, i was with tommy craig's out in uh, bc filming uh, the saw dogs and we were we were in between these two mountains and there was this huge waterfall coming down the one mountain on the other side and then there was the big river and we were in these um, old growth forests all around us with the green moss coming off the trees and everything. And it was, there was a, kind of a mist in the air. It was kind of raining and foggy. And um, Tommy was carving um, the fairy scene with the, you know, with all the plants and that. And they, they had some fantastic footage of, of that because it was just, you know, how quick you can do that 3D relief, right? Yeah. And it was just, it was just flowing. And if probably five minutes of showing that on TV, people would have been just blown away because the, the scene was so surreal and, uh, and seeing that, that quick detail, just the picture coming to life would have been great scene, but they cut it all out and never used, uh, they oh, used, no. I think about one second or two seconds of that scene. Oh, you that's know. disappointing. So it's not it's not what they're looking for so right. that was the disappointing thing of the uh, of the tv show but uh yeah you can definitely see doing these uh the shows how the actors and the uh the people that are in these movies and that can how their lives can get out of control and um you know you can you can really spin out because you're literally catered to all day long, right? Like if you're the talent in the show, then, you know, everyone's wants to make sure that you're happy and that you're taken care of and that, you know, <laughs> from, from feeding you in the morning and then a break time treat and then lunch and then another afternoon treat and then dinner at night and, you know, whining and dining you or whatever. So. Right. You know, that's not normal life. <laughs> no. And so you do like Carver Kings. We did what, three, three months plus of, of filming there. So, you know, you get three months of being weighted on hand and foot and then 
you know, and you're the center of the attention. And then you go back to normal life after that. It's, a, you know, it's, you had to really had to deal with that because it was, um, you know, you're depressed because you're, you're back on your own and, you know, you got to make your own dinner, or, you know, right. take care of yourself. And, you know, so I can see, you know, these actors and actresses where you see they're, you know, they're, they're spinning out of control. It's, uh, it's a double-edged sword, that whole um, TV. No yeah, lie. it would be definitely hard to stay grounded, I would think. Yeah, definitely. It's a, it was a big adjustment when we were done. It's like, man, it's all over. It's like you're leaving, you know, you get close to everybody and it's like leaving your family and yeah. starting over. And so. Cool. So um, the next thing I was going to ask you is, so you're carving in Canada and a lot of northern carvers struggle with winter weather. Do you, like, what tips do you have about a setup that helps so you can keep carving in the winter? Well, uh, definitely having the right setup um, helps either uh, carving indoors if you can, or uh, like our setup, we're building our shop right now. I've got uh, shipping containers that we've stacked up and we're building a, uh, a studio area and the work area and we have a covered area as well. Oh, I've been watching that and you're like, you're connecting shipping containers together, right? Or stacking them or. Yeah, we got, we got two, two 40 footers on the, on the ground on the left hand side and then a 20 footer on the right hand side. And then we got uh, two more 40 footers put on top of the, those two setups. So we've got about a uh, 16 by 16 covered space in between the two 40 footers and 20 footer if you can okay. picture that um each of the 40 footers we cut the walls out of the the middle of them so then you end up with a 16 by 40 space wow yeah yeah so it's uh within the um in the 20 foot container we cut out the floor into the upper container so you can put a stairway in so you can walk up into the upper area okay and uh, we, we got a wood stove in there that we uh hooked up and then um, piped it into a uh, 50 gallon drum in the upper level and we piped the exhaust from the wood stove through that into the top of it and then uh, exhaust out the bottom and then back outside so it creates a heat exchanger okay and uh basically you start a fire in about uh, 20 minutes the whole place is heated up and you know it's it's not and did you did you insulate it or does it hold it pretty well not yet we haven't insulated it yet that's the plan where we want to put windows in and frame it out and insulate it but uh even without the insulation it uh it's kind of like a hot air balloon right now where it just captures the captures the air and holds it in there and Okay. Yeah. You can you can work in a t shirt up there and minus And then are you, are you working in there with electric saws or do you like block stuff out outside and then bring it in or how do you deal with that? Yeah, we block it out we block it out outside and then um and then we bring it in and uh do the detailing with the with the battery saws and the uh, grinders and that. So it works out pretty good. Okay. It's, uh but 
our space downstairs even even then I've got another uh, I've got a wood stove that I made out of a, a 50 gallon drum uh, turned it into kind of a, uh, a rocket stove sort of thing okay so we we put all as we were cutting we put all our scraps in there and then um, it throws out heat in that under that covered area so it throws heat out there and stand by and get warm and then go and carve and so it works quite well. Sure. Uh, and we've got the we've got the back wall blocked off, so we're you know we're we're blocking off the wind, and we got a heat source, so it makes it easy to carve in the winter time. Yeah. So okay. The only pain in the butt is uh, setting up the you know getting your firewood ready in the morning to get that fire going, but <laughs> once right. the fire's going, it's good. Start it and come back later, or. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I try to tell Jacob, you know, you go, you go in half an hour early and get things set up and I'll come out after. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So next question, what, what are your, what are you like the best or your favorite tools or tips for details like eyes, faces, mouths? What do you use or, or what tips do you have? Oh yeah. Well, my biggest tip is, you know, use the chainsaw absolutely as much as you can take it down take everything down to the uh, smallest detail that you can with the chainsaw and, you know basically learning learn how to use that tip of the chainsaw properly first because i see i see a lot of people they you know they do their blocking out and they get down to a certain level and then they grab that uh, angle grinder and start grinding away and grinding away and grinding away with it and uh you know, if you're if you're doing anything with an angle grinder, uh, there's no reason you can't do it with a chainsaw because that angle grinder head's four and a half inches, right? right. So um, there's there's no reason you can't do it with a chainsaw. I think a lot of a lot of people don't know how to do it with a chainsaw, and so that's why they do it. And uh, it's one of the things Jacob and I have been talking about doing the uh, video series on is um, just the different um, cutting cutting methods or shaping methods with the chainsaw how to utilize the uh, the flat of the bar and the edge of the chain and um, different ways of shaping so that you're not using that that die grinder or angle grinder to uh, to do your shaping for you yeah that would be cool yeah yeah I so I've seen some of your videos. So you've been, how many videos have you done so far? I saw one on, was it dressing your bar maybe? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, we did one on uh, dressing the bar and one, another one on um, uh, the, the problem with the oilers. Uh, the newer bars, I don't, I don't know what they changed. Couldn't tell you what they changed from a few years ago. But uh, when I bought my first Canon bar, I put that on and I never had a problem with it for for years and then all of a sudden you know i buy a brand new cannon bar and it was burning out on me within the first use and it's like what the hell's going on so oh. i uh i took it all apart and you know started analyzing it and looking it's like okay where's the oil hole and where's the hole on the bar and you know where's the oil going and what i figured out was that they were cutting the the channel um for the drive links and it was going through the adjustment hole 
on the bar. So you know how you flip your bar over, they, so they got adjustment holes on the top and the bottom. Yeah. Right. So when they cut your, uh, when you cut your drive channel, they're cutting through those adjustment holes. So now there's a place for the oil to pour out. And okay. uh, so what was happening is you weren't getting any oil in the in the drive channel in the bar, and it's not just Cannon bars; it's uh, pretty much all the all the bars. Hmm. But I, I think what happened was uh, the older saws they came with a metal plate that was you know the the plate that you put on the outside that you bolt on. Yeah. That that cover had a metal plate on it that would seal up against the bars. Uh huh. And for whatever reason, to save money, they stopped putting those in there. So if you look at that cover plate, it's a honeycomb. Oh. So it's got a bunch of holes. So it's not holding, it's not sealing that bar anymore. So the oil can just flow out. And what happens, it just flows out and it goes to the outside of the bar. So when you run the chainsaw, the oil goes through the oil hole, through the drive channel, down out the adjustment hole and into that honeycomb and then on the side of your bar and drips down on your chain. So then it looks like you got oil coming out because it's spraying your carving with oil. It's going the wrong way. But it's way. not in the drive channel. The drive channel is dry. Yeah, that sucks. So anyway, the, the video, <laughs> video I did uh, explains all of that and uh, shows you how to fix that using some uh, duct tape and... It works great. Oh, uh, cool. I so guess now I'm, saw, I'm going to go watch that video. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, I guess Canon sells a plate there. It's not a plate. It's a fiber cover that you can put on the side of the bar. But the problem with that is it's, it's not, doesn't stick to it. And, um, and, it, and it'll wear out in the, uh, you know, for a couple bucks, you can get a, a lifetime supply of the metal duct tape and it works fantastic. Right. Okay, good tip. We'll but, we'll go watch that video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of other videos that we got up there, um, different things. But uh, we plan on doing, uh, I think I call it Five Minute Fridays or something like that, and uh, start doing little tips and tricks and you know just different things. So one of them was you know how to use your your tip of your chainsaw for shaping and grinding and sanding like you can literally if you do it right you can sand the surface you don't have to go over with the sander yeah so um but once you're down to that you know there there's definitely a point where you can't go any farther with the chainsaw like you just can't get you know a tiny little eye or a tiny hole so you got to go to uh, a hand tool and it's either a chisel either use chisels which are great because you get you know really fine clean detail but they're slow right yeah so uh the next choice is die grinders and dremels and um i don't know we've we've probably got a about a hundred or so different bits and bobbles that we uh we can use but in truth i i probably got it down to about four different bits that i use for everything yeah um i use a um, a really aggressive, it's like the um, saber tooth. It's, I think it's called cuts all, but it's a one and a half inch uh, ball. It's a black ball, but it's a really aggressive um, burr bit. Yeah. It's, uh, and it's, it's probably twice as aggressive as the orange ones on the saber tooths. Okay. 
for your reference. Um, but I'll use that ball bit, and then there's a, a really a long, narrow flame bit that I use um, on the die grinder. And then I got a, uh, a half inch, I think it's about a half inch, um, uh, quarter inch shaft that fits in the die grinder, half inch ball that I use for uh, finding. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll shape with that, that big ball, I'll get my general shape and, and blend things into the different contours that I want. Mm -hmm. And then I'll take the uh, the flame bed and and poke in the uh, deep recesses with it, and and then I'll take the half inch uh, uh, ball bed and you know do the finer shapes, the different muscle textures or different um, uh, shadow lines that you want to get with that. And then um, with my Dremel, I just use a um, it's a one eighth bit uh ceramic tile cutter okay it's like a works like a looks like a pencil <laughs> but it's uh it's neural it's just neuraled it's i think it's uh i don't know if it's got diamond diamond dust embedded in it but it's like just a neuraled shaft yeah and uh that thing just cuts great you can you can get real fine lines you can dig in deep with it and uh we carve we carve white oak um, mostly like all our, uh, landscaping projects we do is all in white oak and rubidium and, uh, you know, it cuts, cuts that no problem. And I use it for shaping. If you look at the, um, the video we just posted on the spirit face, I'm using all the bits I just talked about. I, that's what I used to carve the entire face. I didn't even use a chainsaw on it. I just took a scrap piece of wood and carved it in about 30 minutes with these bits. Okay, that's cool. So, oh, pretty much all my detailing, like once I'm done with the saw, then I just use those four bits for uh, doing my detailing. And it's kind of cool to hear, like just in general, like the different bits that you have. Because if you're a newer carver and you go and look at bits, you have no idea where to start or what to buy. And you end up buying a whole bunch of expensive bits that don't work. Or <laughs> Yeah, tag me on that list. Yeah. yeah. Tag me on that list. I've, I'm guilty. I went out and bought, I don't know, I think I got the whole set of saber tooth bits and uh, a whole bunch of other things. I got eye tools and um, made a bunch of tools and got router bits that I tried to use for different things. And yeah, um, I think, I think the big thing is you got to, you know, you need a, an aggressive ball bit that you can use to, uh, to kind of get your contours and your main contours in there and then um, then something pointy so you can get in your uh, deep crevices and and then go from there but there's a there's a real trick to doing it too um, to using these really aggressive bits because you can't just can't just drop it on a piece of wood and push down and carve in it because it kind of digs a groove and then doesn't do anything sure right? so so you need to, you need to, number one, you need to hold the thing with two hands because uh -huh. uh, the thing I'm, the one I'm using is uh, it'll, it'll jump out of your hands. No problem if it gets pinched, but yeah, uh, get a good grip on it and then use your body, like hold your arms to your, to your body and use your body and you move, move the head into the wood and you got to pull it. You got to pull it in the, 
direction or in the contour of, of what you're trying to shape, right? Rather than you can't just kind of, if you want to do an eye socket, you can't just jam the ball in there and grind straight down. You got to, the, the way those burr bits work is you got to drag them across the surface to, to make them work. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing is the sanding, you know, using, uh, using a flap sander. Um, you can use the Sandiflex, which is, you know, it's great. You can get refills for it, but they're pricey. Um, I just use a, we do use the Sandiflex cause it's fast and, um, you can get the different grits, but, uh, generally at the shop, we'll, uh, we'll just make our own by, um, you just put a uh, an arbor in your uh, in your drill with a couple of washers and a couple nuts on it and i'll take uh you know you just buy the belt the three inch belts belt sanders for belt yeah. sanders you can just buy those i tear them up into uh quarters like a four by four or three by three uh squares and then i use a piece of pipe and i bash a hole in the middle of it and then uh, stick it on this arbor and and use that and it, it worked great for um for sanding sanding down all your uh all your edges and your carvings and... yeah and if you're somewhere and you run out you can get it at any hardware store <laughs> that's right that's right yes so and then i do the same thing with uh dremel um those the dremels where you can put those uh disc cutters on them rather than putting the kyber uh, carbon fiber disc on it um i just get a couple of little washers and then i'll uh take sandpaper and tear it up into little one and a half inch squares and then okay. i'll jam i'll jam that in on there and then you can get real fine sanding like in the eyes and the mouth and nose and so you can you know, a lot of times those big flap sanders, they just knock off all your detail, right? So yeah. when you get into the smaller stuff, so I, I just put sandpaper on my little Dremel and, you know, I'll get a little half inch, three quarter inch diameter flap sander out of it. And it works great for doing little fine detail sanding. I don't think I've ever seen anyone do that. That's cool. That's a good tip. Yeah. Check out the uh, spirit face video. I'm using that in there too. Yeah, I'll definitely have to do that. Yeah, but we'll do we'll do a video on uh, on those as well, like just specifically the tools. Okay. Do you have any tips for carvers who are trying to market themselves or like trying to get more demos or more shows? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the the big thing is professionalism and uh, consistency. You know, across the across the board. So. You know, go out, you know, spend spend a couple of bucks and get some nice business cards. Um, make sure that you have all your information on it. Um, you know, coordinate your information. So whatever the information is on your business card, make sure you've got it in your signature on your email. If you got a website, then make sure that information matches on your website. Um, all your Facebook, like your your Facebook page, your Instagram page, your Twitter, whatever other social media you use, try and match everything uh, okay. the same. And, you know, when you go to meet a client, um, don't go in your uh, in your carving pants and 
you know, act like a, act more like a businessman and, uh, and they treat you like a businessman. And, um, you know, and sometimes I know a lot of people go out and they, they, it's their first, their first impulse is like, Hey, I'll, uh, how about if I come and carve and I'll, and I'll carve for free out front of your place and bring you customers. And if you're, if you're hungry and you're starving, you're starving for money, then, then yeah, you think that might be a good idea, but in the business world, uh, perceived value is a, is a really big thing. So by going to somebody and saying, Hey, I'll work for free. You're saying what I'm doing is not worth anything. Right. Right. So if you go to a business and uh, like say a hardware store or a local, um, restaurant or even, um, you know, I don't know, some, whatever the business is that's trying to attract people in to see their product. If you go in there and you, and you give them the pitch that, Hey, I, you know, I'm an entertainer and we, you know, carving's a big attraction that attracts people of all ages that it's, uh, it appeals to little kids, adults, men, women, uh, old people. And, uh, we, we cover the whole range of, uh, of audience and appeal to them all. Um, and this is, this is worth value to you. And we normally charge $750 a day or $1,500 a day, whatever your price is. But, uh, you know, we're willing to do it today for half price, or we're willing to give you, you know, we'll do it once for you to show you the value, uh, of our services. Right. And then, then you say, well, we'll, we'll give you one carving that you can auction off or give away or sell or do whatever you want and uh, use that to attract people into your store, then, you know, generally a businessman's going to jump all over that. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Right. So, you know, it just takes, it takes a little bit of work to do and you get a lot of, a lot of rejections, a lot of no's and, you know, get out of here. And <laughs> but uh, I can guarantee you if you, if you, approach it from a professional standpoint and from a monetary uh, benefit and show them, show them what you're doing for them and that there's value in it. Then they treat you a lot differently than if you just like, I, Hey, I want to, I want to set up for free and make some money off of you. And you know, they're doing you a favor then when you do that. Right. Right. Rather than the other way around. Like my method is I'm doing them a favor. I'm bringing something to them of value that they have to pay for, but I'm going to let them have that discount today. Yeah. Well, that's a good way. That's a good way to look at it. And it's, I've gone to some like business or sales training things lately, and I'm really surprised by, I don't remember the numbers, but they say, I mean, you'll get like 30 no's before you get a yes. You just have to keep asking. And sometimes when you first start doing something like that, the nose you take it so personally but yeah. salespeople are like sweet i've got 29 nose that means i'm almost at a yes you know <laughs> <laughs> yep yep it's more like a uh, 100 to 1 i think is what the actual number is okay. but uh yeah uh, any any cold calling anyway it's 100 to 1 so yeah uh, yeah it's not like it's i spend a lot of time calling people and just in and knocking on doors and doing stuff like that to try and uh, 
try and push that. And a lot of times, sometimes you got to talk to somebody multiple times, you know, before they, before they get it. Or sometimes you talk to them and it's like, they're thinking in the back of their mind, yeah, that'd be great, but I don't have time right now, or I'm not interested right now. But, and then two months down the road or three months down the road, they have somewhere where they could use it, but they've forgotten. And, you know, if you're not back in touch with them, then you miss that opportunity. Right. Right. So, Yeah. That's a good point too. Even in my life, um, as a teacher, I get really busy and it's the people that have emailed me three or four times that I remember to get back to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, where they say the 60, 40 rule is 60% sales, 40% work. And, you know, yeah. if you, if you do that, it pays off. And so it's okay. I, I completely have no proof of this or data or anything, but it seems like you and Jacob were some of the people that first started doing Facebook live videos, at least in the chainsaw carving world. Yeah. Um, so what made you decide to do more Facebook live videos or YouTube videos? Uh, basically it was a spinoff from the TV shows and, but we were, we were trying to do it before, but, um, didn't really know what we were wanted to do. We knew we wanted to do something. We just didn't know what it was. And, um, so it was kind of a natural progression after we did the TV shows, especially after the Carver King show, because it was a much bigger hit and, uh, really resonated with a lot of people. So, yeah. Um, so the idea of doing them was, uh, basically it started out as trying to help some people, but also promotion, right? So it's a, it's just your social media is such a, uh, large world out there and we are such an infinitesimal, uh, piece of it. Right. So, you know, every, every carver out there could be, um, bashing out on the internet and advertising on Facebook and other social media channels. And you still wouldn't cross paths. It's so big out there, but, right. um, the, the idea of doing them was to get the word out to people about chainsaw carving and that, that were, I really tried to push that we're not just, you know, Billy Bob in a corner with a chainsaw drinking beer and smoking dope and, and having fun with a chainsaw, that it's a business and it's a, you know, and that's artwork and yeah. that there's value in it. And, uh, I saw, um, Jacob and I see the, YouTube and the Facebook as a way to promote, promote that and promote other artists as well. Cause it's, uh, you know, it just helps everyone in the industry to get more known. Like I carved for, for eight years in front of my house. I finally got shut down because, uh, we got new neighbors and they complained about the noise, but until yeah. then, the only complaints I ever got was people didn't like when I set up and sold out front of the house. They loved seeing me carving. Yeah. But people would complain if I put carvings out for sale. So they got, they got upset because they saw me making money off of it, but they loved watching it. Um, <laughs> That's funny. You'd, until, you'd... until the point that uh, they've got new neighbors and then they, they just complain all the time and shut me down. Uh, uh, but my point is that for eight years I carved on that corner and I have carvings all around my house. And uh, even today, I still get someone that'll stop by and they're going, holy shit, look at these carvings. It's, this is fantastic. How long have you been doing this? And it's like, oh, you know, since 2003. 
And they're like, oh, I live right up the street. I've never seen this before. <laughs> right. right. It's like 16 years. How could you have not seen it? And, <laughs> and so imagine, you know, imagine the Internet. Like we all see each other's stuff and we get, you know, probably get sick of seeing all the stuff. And people probably get sick of seeing my stuff because we post in different places and that. But you're you're carvers and you you see it and so you know every you know you've probably friended every carver that you know and so you see all their stuff and yeah i see all their stuff but the public doesn't know right, right. so it's it, by putting out these videos and some entertainment for people then they get to see it it's like oh that chainsaw carving and then they'll see one of our videos and then they'll be in your town and they see you carving it's like oh yeah i saw that on on youtube and so yeah you know, it, it spreads the information out there that there's chainsaw carvers. And, and the other big thing is for events, like, I don't know about down there, but pretty much all the, um, the fairs and, and different big events around here, their, their numbers are all going down. People aren't coming out and like the uh, maple syrup festival and the, I don't know, the flower festival and the butter tart festival and their, their numbers are all down and chainsaw carving is a great attraction that gets people out and um people love seeing it and it's in it and it's um it's entertainment for all ages like when we when we put on a show we get uh, schools that come out and that and the little kids are all going crazy i'll carve my name on a piece of wood and you know with uh, script writing and they just go crazy over that and give them one for their class and yeah and the uh i've had i've had some some elderly ladies. This one show we did, a lady had drove drift three hours to come and see us carve, but she didn't have any money to buy anything. So I just gave her a carving and, you know, she was crying and hugging us. And Aww. You know, so it was just, you know, it's, it's good business and, and it attracts a lot of people. And so uh, some of the events are getting it that we've done um, where they're seeing that, you know, their attendance is going up because they have the carving there and then people, people want to buy something and get a memento. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Especially if it's well advertised. Cause I know I've been at the U S open in Eau Claire, Wisconsin there. And I've had people talking to me and they're like, yeah, I drove up from Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, that's like hours and hours away. <laughs> like we're, we're in <laughs> Illinois, you know? Yeah. Yep, that's the power of social media, right? And you can actually get into doing some advertising on the social media. And, you know, if yeah. you're going to be somewhere, you know, pay a little bit of money for an advertisement and say that you're going to be in that area and uh, you'll bring more people in. Yeah, I know, too. And I don't know, this is maybe just a when video when people started doing live videos, you feel so much more personally connected, you know, than just images and text. Like, for sure, yeah. like people like you, I watch all your live videos and I feel like I know you <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, I've never talked yeah. to him, but I feel, yeah. I feel more connected because I can see your videos. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, it's a big psychology behind sales, right? So, yeah. Sorry. Next question. Um, so you've been able to pass on the art of chainsaw carving to the next generation with Jacob. Is there anything we as a carving community should be doing to give young young carvers opportunities or the help that they need to learn this art form? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, 
you know, there's a, there's a lot more that can be done. Um, you know, encouraging young, young people to get into it. Um, I know there's a, there's a stigma, I guess, on, on the social media to, you know, it's kind of a being judgmental of, you know, people's, people's quality of carving and, you know, you get a, a, a newbie trying to carve and, you know, he's not doing that great of a job, but, you know, it's still a start. You got everyone started somewhere. Right. So yeah, you see uh, some people will, will kind of uh, give them, give them their two cents worth and knock them down a notch. And it's like, well, you, you need to pay your, you need to pay your dues to, to be a big boy. And so that, that's not very encouraging to, uh, the new carvers and at the same right. time uh, my daughter <laughs> my daughter and I always joke and um, she's an artist she does a bunch of drawing a hand drawing and stuff like that digital arts and that and uh, she'll ask me oh what do you think that and I'll say oh I love it and she goes oh did you just give me a Facebook review you know it's like <laughs> like 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 and right you know I, so so there's a you know there's that stigma of you post somebody posts something on Facebook and they get they get a hundred people or fifty people say, "Oh, I love it! It's great! It's great! It's wonderful! You're amazing! It's you're the best artist ever!" And you know, maybe it isn't so good. So that leads to somebody thinking that they're what they're doing is better than what it is. But so there's got to be like kind of that mid ground of, you know, oh, that's that's an improvement over your last one. But here's here's what you can do to make that better and. Uh, I don't know how you get around it because, or you do that because then what happens is people jump on you and say, Oh, how dare you tell them that his stuff is no good. Or I didn't say right. it's no good. I just said you could make it better. So I think to help young carvers um, get started and learn is to have a uh, safe haven group, maybe a carving group where you can, you can go in and it's like, it's, it's, you put your stuff in and say, Hey, what do you think of this? Or how does this, how does this stand up? Or does it look like an Eagle or how do, what do I got to do to make it look more like an Eagle sort of thing where yeah. you're not going to get, you're not going to get stamped, stomped on. And at the same time, get some constructive criticism, but you got to accept this. Maybe with the group we can make some kind of rules, like in elementary school art, we do like a sandwich critique where you have to do, a compliment, a criticism, and a compliment. <laughs> yeah. So you're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess the other side of the coin too is, um, you know, I've, I get a lot of people that will message me and ask for assistance and stuff like that. And, and they're, you know, there's, there's two sides of the coin. The one is that, you know, you help them out and, and they accept it or they don't accept it. But then there's that other side of people get pissed off because you, you know, you're, you're giving out that high quality information or you're telling them how to do it and you're taking the job away from me. And, you know, so there's, Oh, sure. That, that, that aspect of it, it's either jealousy or it's a, you know, a fear of fear of losing business, but right. um, Somehow the, the industry has to, the carving industry has to get over that and, you know, it's, it's a big market out there and we haven't even touched, you know, we haven't touched the, the surface of the hair on, on the body. And as far as market size goes, so there's yeah. lots of room for everyone out there. 
Yeah. Um, and by joining together um, and promoting each other and, and our artwork, uh, it lifts us up on this on the world stage and gives a better value to to what we do. Mm -hmm. um, was it? Uh, I don't know when I in my early years, my first few years of uh, starting to carve, I I got uh, commissioned by the local golf course to go and uh, do a job and. Uh, I went to meet the lady and she was the director of arts or something like that for the city, the city owned the golf course. And, and as we're going into the golf course, she points out this, you know, bronze sculpture of a, of a corn cob. And she says, yeah, that was, we commissioned that by so-and-so that was uh, $180,000. And then there's this other one that's uh, it was, it was a 10 foot by 10 foot square box made out of wrought iron. And the guy had planted some trees in the middle of it and he called it nature contained and they paid $490,000 for that. Wow. And, uh, and then we proceeded to go up to the 35 foot tall tree that they wanted carved and were negotiating me down from $3,000. Oh. And, <laughs> oh. and it was like, well, you know, chainsaw carving is just, you know, it's just like folk art. It's not real art. Uh, you know, these, these other guys, they, they're real artists. And it's like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but, Ouch. you know, but that's, but that's the attitude people have. So yeah. if, if through social media and, and everyone banding together that you can elevate the awareness of chainsaw carving and the actual, like chainsaw carvings come a long way in the last uh, 10, 15 years have been at oh, 16 years now almost. Mm -hmm. So like the, the level of artwork that's out there is just incredible where it's going compared to the, where it was with, you know, some of the elder, uh, I'm not quite there yet. I don't think elder carvers that, uh, you know, started it and they were using, you know, chainsaws with no anti vibration and, you know, two and a half inch full nose bars to carve with right right yeah so, so it's a it's definitely uh, an awareness and um team effort that everyone you know in the industry really should be pushing towards like if you go to my youtube page and look at my channel i've um i've linked to any of the other carvers that i know on there that you know as a as a page but um, as a reference page to, to go and hey go look at their stuff go check out some of the other stuff these guys are doing because you know it doesn't most people won't want to do that because it's like oh I don't want to give them the 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 publicity but it's good to give them the publicity because people come back to my page and look at it and say oh well, you know oh you've got this link to this other good entertainment and you know and then they get to they get to see more of it I agree I think um, that like you said, we can all lift each other up and it, it brings us all up because when I see things like, and I mean, I can't, this isn't my main income, so I can't speak to that. But like, uh, like when I see Carver Kings and my students know about it, I'm like, I get more carving orders because of Carver Kings. And yeah. when I see like, I was, sh I show my students the website, this is colossal. And we were on there one day and I'm like, what the heck? Jeff Samadusky's on here. And it's, it's like fine, fine art. 
you know, yeah. then I'm showing yeah. my students, Jeff Samadusky and I'm, and I'm going, this is just incredible and it's exciting and it gets me more work because it brings awareness to it all. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's definitely something we gotta, we gotta think about as a, uh, Carver community is to come together and, you know, I don't know if, if, uh, anyone notices, but I, I try and comment on almost every carving post that I see and I like, at least like it anyway. And, uh, you know, Instagram, Facebook or wherever I spend a lot of time just, just responding to people and, um, you know, and it just boosts your numbers, Facebook, the algorithms, Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and all that, they're all geared towards algorithms of the amount of traffic that you get. Right. So yeah, if, if you've got, if you've got, I've got 4,000 followers, right. But when I do a post, it doesn't send it out to 4,000 followers. Yeah. It sends it out to 1% of your followers, right? So they'll send it out to maybe 400 followers. And if those 400 followers don't do anything, if they don't respond at all, if they don't like your post or don't comment on it, then your post is dead. They don't do anything else with it. If a few people like it and comment on it, they say, okay, well, we'll show it to a few more. And if there's more responses, comments not just likes there's they look at comments they look at shares and things like that so yeah. the more activity there is on your post then they'll show it to a few more and then they'll show it to a few more and then they'll show it to a few more but as soon as your traffic levels off they stop showing it to anybody mm -hmm. right so if if all the carvers were you know, it doesn't take much to move your cursor over and move your finger over and hit that like button or, or right. just say hey, cool or, you know, how you doing or, or something, put some kind of tag on the post, then all of our traffic goes up. And then Facebook says, Hey, chainsaw carving is something people are interested in. So let's boost them up and uh, show it to more people. And, you know, rather than, then rather than just going out to carvers because I don't really care if other carvers see my stuff because that doesn't make me money. Right. What makes me money is other people seeing my stuff. Right. But the only way I can get other people to see my stuff is if people like my stuff and comment on it and respond to it and share it and whatnot. So that's a good point. Um, we can do that for each other. We can. And, it, yeah. and you would, you would be surprised how fast, like we're, we're a big community. How many carvers are out there in the world, right? Yeah. Several, several thousand carvers. And if everyone just spent the time to, uh, to boost the other carvers, uh, posts, then the posts would get spread more and then you get a bigger penetration into your market and, and people start seeing it. And I've, I've seen it myself just with our, with our posts, because I've, I've done a, some targeted advertising and, you know, it's, it's pushing it out because that's the only way you can get it going sometimes, but it's a free way of advertising on the internet. Yeah. Is, but, but if you don't band together, then it's, then it doesn't do anything. And so. Okay. So my next question <laughs> This Joe Wennell wants me to ask this question. So <laughs> I think I reworded it though. <laughs> but what's the most memorable thing 
that you've had happen during your carving career? Hmm. <laughs> Most memorable thing. Uh, I guess the, I don't know if it's what you're looking for, but the biggest thing um, was the trip to Japan that Jacob and I did for the, uh, the toy uh, carving competition out there. Uh, we got the, or we applied for and got to go to the uh, toy carving competition, which was, you know, a few days and yeah. it was fantastic. Cause you went and, uh, you know, you went and played around with chainsaws for a day and, and then uh, they got toured around the, uh, the country by these fantastic people. And then, um, and then you carve these quick carves for a couple of days. And then, then when it was done, you went and traveled around and looked at more of their country. And, um, we arranged to go and stay with a few of the carvers. So we went and stayed at uh, three different families uh, when we went over there. And uh, was Scott Chase, my son and I, we, we went and stayed. I think we were almost two weeks over there. But we got to see how, you know, what life was like in Japan behind the scenes because we got to go into their homes and see how they lived their lives and meet all their friends and, you know, yeah. join in the parties. And so it, it was absolutely amazing. Like it was the best thing I ever did in my life was, uh, was go there and, uh, and do that. And, you know, I got some, some great video of, uh, uh, wife works with a, uh, an orphanage of these, um, handicapped kids. And, you know, it's just like a, a backwoods little setup with, you know, they probably, I don't know, had 50 or more kids that are all handicapped in some way or another. And we went out there and I don't know if you remember Scott Chase, but he was, you know, six foot six, a great big guy or six foot seven, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and, and me and Jacob and uh, we went out there and played with all these uh, kids for the day. It was just, uh, it was amazing. Cool. And how cool that chainsaw but, carving could provide that experience for you, you know? Oh, absolutely. Like if you, like when I was working for the uh, corporation as the IT, uh, IT manager and he said, yeah, next year you're going to, you're going to quit your job. You're going to uh, start this chainsaw carving and then you're going to travel around the world and be on TV and be making a living at cutting wood. <laughs> you like, what the hell are you talking about? What are you smoking? Just, yeah. Right. You know, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's a, it's an interesting uh, journey and uh, it's not over yet. Okay. Last question. Do you have any other advice for chainsaw carvers? Anything that we haven't talked about? Uh, yeah, I could go on. <laughs> <laughs> there's a, there's lots of advice. I guess the, uh, the big thing, you know, that it, nothing like you see a lot of a lot of people and i think it's it's rampant it's not just chainsaw carving it it's it's rampant in our uh, in our society today is that you know somebody somebody watches something on tv or they watch you perform and and then they they see you do it once and you know make it look easy you know it's like oh he just takes the chainsaw and he knocks off those big chunks of wood and then you know contours the surface a little bit and tickles a little bit and now you've got to finish carving and that's amazing I think I can do that and uh, so then they go and they pick up the chainsaw and they make a couple of cuts and it's like <laughs> this is hard work I, I can I'm not 
I'm not cut out for this and they give it up. Right. Yeah. Um, so like everything in life, it's, you don't become an expert the minute you start it. It's, uh, it takes, you know, thousands of hours to, to become good. And, you know, it's not a, it's not an easy journey. It's a, it's a long, hard journey. And you gotta, if you, if you really love it and you, and you want to do it, then you got to stick to it and you can't, can't let that get you down. Um, if you're not, if you're not getting where you want to be, you know, the perseverance will, will prevail. And it's a uh, carving is no different than, you know, if you wanted to learn French or you wanted to learn Italian or Spanish or some other language, you know, when you first, when you first start out, you look at it and you say, well, okay, how do you speak French? There's a lot of words there and I don't understand them. So you got to look at each word and it's like, okay, I want to say hello. Well, what's the word for hello? And you work your way through it and you start learning how to match up words to what you use. And then the next stage is you start remembering those words and you're still thinking, okay, I want to say this in English, but how do I say it in French? And, and you build it up and thousands of hours later, you get to the point where you can just speak French and not think about it right yeah well carvings carvings the same way and you see it if you look back over the the timeline of pretty much any carver out there except for the savants that pick it up really fast you'll see their first carving you know if they do a face it's flat it's got a nose sticking out and it's got flat eyes and and then you know the next stage is that they've they've got now a round head and they've got a little bit of depth and the eyes are you know sinking in and and but you still got lines for eyes and then the next stage is that you know you, you've now got you know a ball for the eye and then you got contours and then you know you see see cheeks and and, and uh, chins and you know and then then the next stage after that is you start seeing eyebrows and muscles and texture and so you build up right and right. you get you get an artistic vision and when you start off, your artistic vision is basically a, a flat surface with something sticking out of it. And then you progress to the next stage, right? So you're learning, you're learning to see what you're not seeing as you progress. So if you keep that in mind as you're, as you're carving or as you're going along your carving career and learning how to do these things, then you know, you're, you're always got to be learning and you always got to be looking at what you're doing, and, um, you know, figuring out what, what's going to make your carving better. What's wrong with my carving. I do that always. Like I've never stopped learning and I'll keep doing it. And every time I do a carving, I look at it and say, okay, what can I do to make it better? And, you know, and then go from there. It's, uh, there's lots of tools out there, um, that you can use to help better your carving. Like, I sit down to carve something I've never carved before then the first thing I do is I look at pictures and I'll look at silhouettes of the pictures like if you're going to do a, uh, a hair and say then you know squint your eyes or you know black it all out or look for um, uh, you know just templates of herons and look at what don't look at what the feathers and the, the body looks like look what what the outline looks like and study that and then copy that into your carving and then then take your picture and look at your look at your carving and see if it matches and 
you know, look around your carving, not just at the front of the carving. You got to look top down. You got to look from the side. You got to look from the back. And if you ever see me carving, I'm I'm not standing, you know, in front of my carving carving. I'm walking around constantly, walking around, moving around, looking at it from all different directions to to That's see. That's actually a really good tip too from for somebody moving. Like I was a painter, and yeah. the first carving that I made. Um, the person teaching me was like, you can move <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. in, in the front the whole time trying to reach around. Yeah. It's a different world, right? It's uh, yeah. but yeah, there's some, there's lots of tools like just, uh, a simple one is take a picture of your carving, take a picture from all different angles, take lots of pictures. And then, you know, when I'm carved, when I'm carving something, I'll, I'll carve all day long, and then at the end of the day, I take about 50 to 100 pictures, and then I'll go home, and I'll look through those pictures, you know, study it, and then I'll look at the, look at whatever I'm trying to carve, if I've got it drawn, or if it's, you know, if it's wildlife, whatever, then I got something to match it up to, and I'll look and see, well, it's like, well, does that look like that, and how does it, how does it look different, what do I got to do to, to change it up, and yeah. make it look right. So those are all, those are things you can do. Uh, what was it, Da Vinci? Was it Da Vinci that looked in a mirror? He used the mirror on the carving, look in the mirror and see see what his artwork was. And, or maybe it was Michelangelo. I should know this, sure. right? I'm an art teacher. I don't you should, know. You should know this. You should be able, you should be able to tell me this. But yeah, <laughs> they look, you look in the mirror and then it, then it, um, you can see it from a different point of view and your eyes lie to you right yeah your your brain fills in stuff that's not there and i don't know how many times i've i've been carving something and, and i'm looking at it and it's like yeah that looks that looks great that's that's good and then i take a picture and i go home and it's like what the hell was i thinking that's uh-huh that's not right and then i go back and look at it the next day and say oh yeah that's i see that that's wrong and so your you know your brain tries to fool you sometimes and Right, I do find it does help when you've stepped away. And, yeah, and then come back too. For sure, there's there's some great uh, there's some great examples out there of uh, you know mind what do they call them mind tricks or you know they'll show you a photo and then they then they take it away and they say okay what's then show it to you again and say well what's missing and you know, right. there's a great big airplane in the background on the previous photo and you never saw it. And, yeah. So yeah, definitely looking at your artwork and moving around and looking at it all from all angles is, uh, is important. Cool. Good tips. Well, I, I really appreciate you being on Paul. This was fun to get to talk. Yeah, it was great. It's, uh, it's always great to, uh, share information and learn new things about new people. It's always, uh, I don't know, the carving world's been, uh, been an amazing trip for the last 15 years seeing seeing all the different people and traveling around and all the different uh watching people grow from you know the the beginnings of the uh, square bears to the uh, to the final products that they're producing now is amazing and hopefully this uh this virus situation will get under control and uh before anyone gets to into too much trouble I know I'm actually getting a little nervous about my carving events this summer. 
I'm like, please, please get it under control. Cause they, they just canceled chat, right? Oh, did they? I didn't hear that. That yeah, all my everything till June has been canceled now. Yeah. Uh, and there's there's a few that are like pretty much anyone that had uh, had orders in have canceled the orders because they are afraid they don't have the money to do it. Um, <laughs> any jaw any live shows have been canceled due to uh, social distancing. <clears throat> right. So uh, luckily for us, we have uh, we have the business uh, with Earthscape Playgrounds, and you know they're doing they're using our carvings as feature pieces in all their playgrounds. So we have a revenue stream um, from them that's keeping us afloat. Um, there's a couple other bigger projects that we're uh, we're working on that have contracts, so they can't get out of them. So that's, that's good. Well, that's good. Man. Um, yeah. This is, this is definitely opened my eyes to, uh, you know, I've been the philanthropist businessman for the last little while that, uh, people book me for a show and say, Oh, do you want us to send us a deposit? And it's like, ah, no, it's not a problem. We'll just give you an invoice when we show up. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> so, we have no deposits for uh, right. all of our shows, and they're just walking away with them without uh, without an issue. So that's a that's a foo bar on my part with uh, lessons learned. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably I'll probably still continue to do it anyway, just because I'd rather book the show than have them squawk at giving the deposit. But. Yeah. Well, I've got some stuff lined up. Hang in there. We'll probably all be stir crazy by the end of the summer if we can't go to our events, but hopefully it'll be worth yeah, it. We'll well, get the the sooner, the sooner the social distancing happens, the uh, sooner it'll be over. Okay. Yeah. So, so everybody stay home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course, us carvers are mostly slow, social distance to begin with. So. True. True. We don't, don't really see don't a lot of much yeah other than doing the shows we don't see a lot of people anywhere so yeah thank you for listening to this episode of the chainsaw carving podcast i just wanted to let you know that on facebook you can find paul uh it's carver kings paul and jacob on facebook also on instagram carver kings paul and jacob and then uh Paul has a YouTube page that we mentioned a lot throughout the podcast. You might want to check out some of his great how-to videos. And um, the YouTube page is, sorry, I'm looking here. Uh, it's Carver Kings Official. Um, so that's where you can find him on YouTube, Carver Kings Official. And then they also have a website that's carverkings.com. So be, be sure and go and check out all of Paul's cool stuff. And then also make sure to check out our other episodes. And then you can help out so that other Chainsaw Carvers can find the podcast. If you like it, um, share it, rate it. See you next time.